you're visiting with us this morning, there's a pew Bible in the rack in front of you, and there's a page number in your uh, order of worship this morning. Let's, uh, let's look into the Word of God together. We're just going to read three verses to start, um, and then we're going to look other places here in Hebrews, and then over in uh, Matthew for a minute. Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 3. As we get ready to do that, uh, it's always nice to say amen, so let's start with a couple things we can say amen about. Number one, we have a baptism next Sunday. Excited about that. And number two, over the last uh, two and a half weeks, we have had four people rededicate their lives to Jesus Christ as a part of this church. And so I'm, I'm excited what the Holy Spirit's up to, excited to see what He might uh, have in store for us today as well. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to start. It says there, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. This is the word of the Lord. As, um, as we begin this morning... Um, I want to start with um, three just short stories um, that kind of go in the direction I want to go this morning. Um, these are all kind of stuff going on in our lives right now. So uh, this Thursday, some of you guys know, I, I was sharing the other day, um, Ryan uh, qualified a couple weeks ago for the West Virginia Open. And so Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, he'll, he'll play there. I'm going to get to go up Thursday and watch him. Um, and I, I've, I've gotten to watch him play in a lot of different golf tournaments through the years, but he's heading to North Carolina this fall. He'll probably be doing internships from here on out. And so there's a really, really good chance that the West Virginia Open this week, and then if he qualifies the West Virginia Am next week, will be the end of me getting to watch him in those kind of golf tournaments. Um, second story is uh, we're in the three-week period of, of sports uh, practices for high school and, uh, and scrimmages. And so we've been doing some basketball with Jenna and some volleyball with Jenna. And uh, they had some scrimmages last week. They got another week of practices and scrimmages. And, um, and she likes to regularly bring up to me the fact that, uh, well, Dad, this is the last time I'll ever be doing this during the summer. And then it's going to be my last volleyball season. This is my last basketball season, my last tennis season, because she's a senior this year. She does that because she knows how much I hate it. Um, and so she likes to torment me. But, but like, this is, this is it. This is the last season. Number three. Um, a few days ago, uh, we had uh, Karen's dad had a birthday. And... Um, of course, we lost him not too long ago, uh, and um, and so there, we didn't get to gather together and uh, and to celebrate him because that time has passed. All three of these, what they have in common, is um, it is it is very easy to have the commonness of something. You know, I get to go watch Ryan in a golf tournament. We, I get to go watch Jenna play volleyball. I, I, we get to gather for a birthday party. It's very easy for us to allow the commonness of something 
to blind us to how valuable it is. And and I ain't like I'm really paying attention this year that, you know, these are probably the last golf tournaments I may get to go to. This is the last set of seasons I'm gonna get to watch Jenna. And you you look at the fact that we don't get to have that birthday party. And and in those moments the the as you appreciate, you know, it's just another birthday party, it's just another game, it's just another tournament. But those things really matter, don't they? Like, there, there's a preciousness to it, but sometimes the commonness of what we are going through and the commonness of, uh, of those experiences blind us to how important they are and how, how much we should appreciate them and how precious they are. That's the idea. As we look at this passage for this morning, that's the idea that I, I want to start with because I think we're doing that similar thing in a spiritual realm with something that's really important in, in our spiritual lives. If you have your sermon outline this morning, let's start there. Uh, and we're going to be talking about prayer this morning. That's the subject I want to get into. Um, and the question we want to ask this morning is, how do we find more boldness in prayer? How do we find more boldness in prayer? Um, the, the starting point we need to, to begin at is that, is that prayer is coming into the presence of God. Prayer is not just me talking to myself in a room, but that when I pray, I am, I am coming into the presence of Almighty God. And, and it's an amazing um, opportunity that we have to, to be able to do that, to, to be able to come into the presence of God. We believe, to, to, to theologically talk about for a second, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that I pray to God the Father, I, I'm praying through what Jesus has done for me, with the Holy Spirit guiding me. And so I'm praying to God the Father with, the, with uh, access provided by Jesus and uh, with the Holy Spirit giving me direction to be able to, to say those prayers. And so as we think about that this morning and, and we think about what um, that opportunity that we have, um, I think one of the problems we get into is that to go back to those three examples, with prayer also, there's a commonness to it, you know, and, and some of us don't pray as much as we should, but if you are praying regularly, it's very easy to, to well, you know, I said my prayers this morning, or I said my prayers this evening, or I prayed in that situation, and, and, and the commonness of it, and the fact that we do have access to God the Father whenever we want to pray to Him, the commonness of those things can cause us to, to miss out on the value and the importance of each time that we do that and the way that we need to come into that moment. And as we look in Hebrews, and that's where we want to start this morning, there's a passage here that will help us, I believe, to have a better understanding of the way that we need to come in, the boldness that we need to come in to the presence of God and avoiding the, the well, you know, it's just praying, the, the commonness that blinds us to how important it is. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 9. I want to talk about three things before we, we sum it all up at the end. Um, and we're going to talk about, uh, the writer of Hebrews here is going to unpack um, the, the Old Testament system when it comes to the way that it's a picture of, of what God is trying to do. And as we look at Hebrews 9, and then we're going to go down to Hebrews 10, it gives us a picture of, of why we should have that boldness that he wants us to have. 
So, what does the Old Testament system teach us? Number one, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament temple system, a priest came into the presence of God annually. A priest came into the presence of God annually. So, as you look at the Old Testament system, let's look at just verse 3 and then down in verse 7. In verse 3, it says, behind the, the second curtain, it talked about uh, the holy place behind the first curtain in verse 2. Verse 3, behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. We're not going to get into huge details, but basically it was, um, it was the place where uh, a, a priest would only come once a year. We had, um, I kind of wish now, I didn't think about preaching this, but we had, a, a, for a boat camp, we had a big uh, tarp up here a couple weeks ago. Um, and, but it was just about, I don't know, 12 feet tall. But imagine you came in here every week, and there was all the way to the ceiling, all the way across, and about as thick as a, as a person's hand. A really thick curtain here. And in the Old Testament system, there was a, a curtain 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide. Behind it was the most holy place. And the priest would only go there once a year. As you look down to verse 7, it says, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, that is the blood of the sacrificed animals, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. So once a year, you have this big veil at the front of the, at the kind of the centerpiece of the temple, and no one goes in this section back here except once a year. And he, he's the high priest, He's going in with, this, with the blood to sacrifice. It's an incredibly holy moment. Now, imagine you come in here. And let's say we have this curtain here, and, and you're visiting, and, and we say, okay, we need somebody to go back in there. You're like, well, I'll go. And, and we say, because this is what they did in the Old Testament. They say, okay, now, before you go back there, um, we're going to tie a rope around your ankle. And you're like, why? And they say, well, if you go into the presence of God and you're not holy and He strikes you dead, we need a way to drag your body out which is what they did. They would tie a rope around the leg of the priest in case when he went in, if he was not ceremonially holy, they would have a way to get him out because they weren't allowed to go back in there. So how many of us are going to volunteer for that job? You know, uh, i tell you what, let's let Bill do it. I, I think I'm going I'm to pass today because there was with this, this, the big veil and with the presence of God behind, there was a sense of, there was a sense of awesomeness and of, of fear in coming into the presence of God. Now, look with me back to Matthew chapter 27. Keep your finger here, we're coming back. But Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Um, let me give you the second point, and then let's unpack this passage. Number two, with Jesus, an opportunity to be in the presence of God was literally ripped open. With Jesus, an opportunity to be in the presence of God was literally ripped open. So, as we think about that Old Testament system and the, the veil and the terror going back in there and being in the presence of God and how awesome that was and how frightening that was, and remember, the veil was what separated the, the, the most holy place where God resided from where everybody else was. Matthew chapter 27 and look at verse 50 with me. Matthew 27, 50. 
Now, verse 50 tells us of the death of Christ, as described in Matthew. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Jesus died in that moment. Look at verse 51. At that moment, the curtain, that's the veil we've been talking about, of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So you have, for all these years, this, this incredibly thick, I mean, like here in the New York phone book or something, this incredibly thick veil here that separated everyone from the presence of God. And then at the very moment Jesus dies, there is an earthquake that causes the veil to rip from the top, that's important, from the top to the bottom. The entire thing is ripped open, and the most holy place is suddenly open for anybody that is out in that area. What incredible! What an incredible moment to know that before coming into the presence of God was this thing where, as the Israelites would do it, they, they were terrified of it, and they had that, ankle, that rope around their ankle, and I don't know if I want to do this or not, and they came into the presence of God with complete fear and trembling over being in the presence of God. And then as Jesus dies, the veil is torn open, and the opportunity for us to be in the presence of God is open to us. What an amazing thing that happens in this moment. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. So that's not just something that is uh, uh, something that happened there in Jerusalem, although it did literally happen in Jerusalem, and the veil was torn open to symbolize the opening of the access to the presence of God. But as we go back to Hebrews chapter 9, I want to look down at 23 and following. Let me give you the third point. Most importantly, what happened on earth was symbolic of what happened in heaven. Most importantly, what happened on earth was symbolic of what happened in heaven. Look with me at 23 and after that. And then we're going to get to, all this is going to sum up in the final point I want to make. Hebrews 9, 23. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with the sacrifice. So what's he talking about? The, the, the temple system was symbolic of the, the heavenly reality. So like when they would come with blood into the presence of God, that was symbolic of the idea of coming into the presence of God in heaven and, and things along those lines. But, little 23, but, heavenly, but the heavenly things themselves... Uh, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. It was only a copy of the true one. In other words, he didn't enter the, the, um, the human sanctuary that was there in Jerusalem. He entered heaven itself. Now to appear for us in God's presence. This happened after his resurrection. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. Here it is. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus Christ, as He dies on the cross, 
what we see in that veil being torn physically in Jerusalem is symbolic of the reality that the, in heaven, now through the blood of Christ and Jesus coming into the presence of God with that sacrifice, now we have access. Before, we were outside and we were full of fear about being in the presence of God. And now, through what Jesus has done for us, we have the opportunity through His sacrifice on the cross and Him being willing to die for our sins, and then on Sunday, Him being raised from the dead to the newness of life and the hope that we have, not only for life now, but life beyond this life because of the resurrection. As we think of all that, it is through what Jesus has done that we now not only have salvation, and we're so thankful for salvation, and we not only have hope of eternal life, but we also have access to the presence of God. We have access to the presence of God. And we need to kind of stop. Let's go back to the beginning. The commonness of it can blind you to the importance of it and the value of it. Ah, it's just another golf term. It's just another game. It's just another birthday. So this morning, let's just pick one little thing. So this morning, um, I, I'm at the house, and as I try to do every Sunday morning, uh, praying for other things too, but I, I had, let's talk about the church service. So I know I have to preach this morning. I know nothing of value is going to come from my sermon unless the Holy Spirit empowers it, unless the Word of God goes forth. And so I know I cannot get up there and do it on my own. It has to be the power of God to, to make a difference in somebody's life. And so on Sunday morning at the house, I prayed to God and asked Him to, to be with me this morning to empower my words to be His words so that hearts are changed this morning. Now, I just prayed. I just prayed. When you bring it over here and think about what Jesus has done for us, let's say, it in, let's say the same thing in a different way. So this morning, Jim Butcher, a nobody who lives in, in West Virginia, doesn't have any big power, doesn't have any big name, Jim Butcher came into the presence and talked to the creator of the universe, and he listened to me. And he promised not only to listen to me, but that he would answer my prayer. Not because I'm big, and I'm important, and I'm somebody, right? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a very common, like, it's just praying. Okay, it is just praying. But because of Jesus Christ, we get to come into the presence of God. Don't let the commonness of it blind you to the incredible beauty and nature of it. It is coming into the presence of God Almighty. Now, flip with me over to Hebrews chapter 10, because that's where all this comes together. So, so we're, so we're talking about prayer and being able to come into the presence of God. So how does that impact, let's go back to the original question, boldness in prayer. How does this impact our boldness in prayer? So let me give you the point, and I want to unpack Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and following. So now we can come into God's presence anytime with boldness by the blood of Christ. Now we can come into God's presence anytime with boldness by the blood of Christ. So first of all, if you believe that this morning, say amen. So we understand that through what Jesus has done for us, 
He has opened up a door that was not open before. Before, if you'd have walked past that veil, buddy, you were gone. And now we can come into the presence of God anytime and be able to, through the blood of Christ, to be able to be, bring our requests and be in the presence of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. And what the writer of Hebrews has to say about this and what it means for the way that we come into the presence of God. Here's where we're going to get into boldness. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and this is going all the way back to what was both earlier in 10 and what we were talking about back in 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. The word confidence there, if you go back to the Greek word, can be rendered confidence or boldness. Uh, the New King James Version, for instance, renders it boldness. Um, but notice, as it's saying there, it's not just, you know, uh, since we can pray. What are we doing when we pray? I am coming through the blood of Christ into the presence of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So, where is my confidence in that moment? Is it man, I've been really good this week, and so I'm going to enter in. Or, hey, I'm a preacher, and I have a seminary degree, so I'm going to enter in. No, I enter in, how? I enter the most holy place, the presence of God, by the blood of Jesus. My confidence, I wouldn't give you two hoots for the good works that I try to do. I would give you two hoots for my seminary degree and trying to get into the presence of God. The thing that gets me in the presence of God is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about that, as I come into the presence, again, sometimes we just get, uh, you know, I'm just praying. No, we're coming into the presence of God. And as I do that, we also sometimes forget how we are coming into the presence of God. It is not, oh, God loves me. Well, God does love me, but that's not how I come into the presence of God. Well, I've tried to do good this week. Well, that's, not, that's nice, but that's not why you get to come into the presence of God. I'm getting to come into the presence of God because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And as he shed his blood for me, and then later, about 35, 40 years ago, I accepted him into my life. I get to come into the presence of God, not by what I have done, but what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's really important. Because when we think about our own spiritual lives, and I do hope you're living passionately for Christ. I hope he is your number one priority. You're doing all that you can to live for him. But even when we try to do that, we failed only, and we falter, and we trip up. And so if I'm going to come into the presence of God based on how good I feel about my spiritual life, that's really going to go up and down based on, man, I did that sin again, or I don't feel like that went as well as I was trying to do for God. But if I'm coming into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, that gives me boldness to know it's not about what I've done, but it's about what Jesus has done for me. So, look what he says. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That's talking about that veil that was separating and was symbolic of us being separated from God. That is his body. So that kind of throws a little a new symbolism there. If you want to think of it this way, the, the curtain was torn because Jesus' body was torn. His hands, his feet, 
his flesh was ripped. And as that happened, our salvation came about through that. A new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, speaking of Jesus in that high priest role, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It all speaks to, as we add all that up together, to look back at your sermon outline, we now come into the presence of God anytime with boldness by the blood of Christ. We need to come back to the amazing reality that we get to come into the presence of God. And as we go in, we need to remember that we are going in by the blood of Christ and therefore have boldness. Why would God answer my prayers? I don't know why He would answer my prayers, but I know why He would listen to Jesus. Why would He listen to a nobody like me? I don't know, except that i got Jesus standing beside me as I go in, because the Bible says that Jesus intercedes for me. And so when I come into the presence of God, I know He loves me, and I also know that Jesus is saying, you know why you should do this, Father? Because I died for Him. Because He's, he's my brother. Because He is part of the family of God. And so we need to move beyond the, this, this wimpy, casual um, prayer that we so often pray where we just kind of come in, oh, if you could do this or if you could do that, I don't know, you're not really expecting anything. We are coming into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to come in with boldness and expectation because of what Jesus has done for us. So I want to ask you this morning, as you look back over the last week, is that how you've come into the presence of God? Or have you come in kind of weak and wimpy? It says there in Hebrews chapter 10 that we can come with confidence, with boldness. Not by who we are, but by what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we are so, first of all this morning, Father, we are just so grateful for what Jesus has done for us. For the hope of salvation, for the reality of eternal life, for the privilege of being able to come into your presence right now. I mean, why would you listen to me right now except for what, what Jesus has done for me? And with seven billion other people around the world, yet in this moment you are listening to me as I speak to you in your presence. Mind-blowing. Father, I pray this morning for all of us who are praying pathetic prayers, that you would give us boldness today by the blood of Christ. I pray in Jesus' name.